there. Welcome to Saz Unbound, brought to you by Saz Group. I'm your host, Anna Nadena, and this is the show where we bring inspiring founders to talk about their stories and how they uh, got their business to be a success. And today with us is David Smook, the founder of Hacker Noon, one of the leading tech publications on the internet. Welcome, David. Hey, thanks for having me, Anna. Excited to be here. That's awesome. Well, thank you for, for making the time. And, uh, you know, buckle up. It's going to be a bit of an improv because the only preparation uh, we did is um, talk about the fact that we don't want to touch upon the founding story. So only the changes, the scaling. And, you know, I'm an open book. Yeah, we can talk about whatever you want. Okay, that sounds great. So, uh, I mean, for, for anybody who somehow doesn't know, and honestly, I mean, if you ask me, eight, nine a month ago, I probably wouldn't know uh, what to say what Hacker Noon was. So what is Hacker Noon? Uh, Hacker Noon is a company, uh, internet company. So we publish technology stories and we build publishing software. So we employ editors, software developers, and business development to grow our site. We're publishing about 42 stories a day, uh, really trying to focus on what's next in tech, you know, and get the leading experts uh, publishing here about how things are actually built. You know, we're a lot more of a how and why site than a what and when and where site, if that makes sense. Um, and I've been at it now six, seven years. Um, it's kind of changed a lot, you know, over the years. Um, Bootstrap for the first two years, crowd equity crowdfunding in the third year, uh, then strategic investment and basically doubled revenue for about five years in a row. And last year we didn't double revenue, but we did increase it. So, you know, I'm kind of in the spot where it's, it's stable. My team is really good and I'm kind of figuring out like all the software we're building, how I can, you know, bring it out to the web and not just on Hacker Noon. So that's kind of uh, the state of where, where we're at. Okay. Thank you. So, yeah. And uh, obviously like I got to, to Hacker Noon, I think I published my first story uh, last summer and over the the last six months, there have been so many changes. So, and we'll obviously get there. Uh, but uh, you you started talking about uh, focusing on tech. So, I know a little bit about the founding story. How you were building like a dozen of other websites at the same time. So, <laughs> why Hacker knew What was so? Uh, I mean, the the know? first app we built was called Mapshot. And what you could do was take a picture and put it on the background of a map. And this was before like that feature existed in Apple because I'm so old. <laughs> and then it would cover the background. And if people liked it, the picture would get bigger, you know. And so like that was where it started. But really it was that and that's it didn't work. <laughs> so, you know, um, it's hard to like because in the beginning, if software developers don't want to work with you because you don't have enough to compete with the large companies and people don't want to fund you because you haven't built something before. And it's way easier to build something if you have labor or money. So it's, it's kind of like a catch 22 in the beginning where you're trying to figure out where you can get some labor, how your labor can actually uh, go into something that's scalable and repeatable. You know, I was just really trying to focus on how to get outside of pay by the hour. You know, because even there, like, you know, lawyers make great money, you know, but at the top, the lawyers still own their own firms. You know, they, they still have reached the same conclusion that <laughs> it's better to own the business than it is to be paid by the hour for anything. Even if you're, you know, a million dollars an hour, 
you know, you could probably, if you're worth a million dollars an hour, you could probably use your own time and make a lot more money, <laughs> you know, building something uh, that builds up. So that's where my, my head was at. And Hacker Noon hit the right spot because uh, I was able to gain, people were able to gain value from it without exchanging money. So it was proof that there is an underlying economy here that was happening. You know, you had writers that needed editing and distribution and we needed content. And it kind of say, hey, if we're going to be a home for like a community and a destination where we can have get more readers for writers and improve the content of, you, you know, bringing it as to Hacker Noon as opposed to somewhere else. It just hit a nice sweet spot where I could use my editing skills in the beginning and I could edit a bunch of stories. And if it's the secret is if the content's better, it's easier to distribute in the beginning. So like it starts by making the content better and then make the distribution better. And then you go back to making the content better. Then you go back to making the distribution better. <laughs> yeah. Back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So what was Hacker Noon in the beginning? I know that at first it wasn't your, your own software and, and you started focusing at, on it a lot later. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just way better when you have your own software. Like you just control where things are. You, you, like once someone else is making this deci decision, this will be made. Where, where the button is, where the text is, where the call to action is, all those things will happen no matter what. I think we could make a better business if we choose where and when they happen. So that was like um, the underlying thing. I used Medium's content management system to build a publication and had it on my own custom domain, you know, and <laughs> it was on my site, but it had to come with all their bells and whistles, all their backdoor whatevers, all the extra things that circles around content when you use that site. So, you know, we used equity crowdfunding to raise money from our readers and build a small software team. Um, and we've been at it now three years um, with our own content management system, which is pretty sweet. You know, it allows me to spend more time building software, which is like what I wanted to do. So, uh, you know, I'm feeling uh, pretty good about my day to day. And it's just, you know, you see people ride and die with these social media sites like, oh, I have a, 10 million followers on TikTok. How do you make money? It's like, OK, so I guess I distribute paid TikToks to people, you know, it's like you end up building all your audience on someone else's thing. And it's just uh, you don't control what's going to happen next. Um, so, you know, it's been traffic is pretty diversified now, which is like a really a goal, you know, to get traffic from search, traffic from direct traffic from email, then traffic from social too is nice. But it's like having a healthy, sustainable like I'm a guy who wants to grow 2x every year. 2x every year adds up a lot. So that's, you know, I, I'm not like kind of VCs have passed on Hacker Noon before in the past because it's like, that's not attractive, David. Why do you want to be 2x you know, every year? And it's like, well, that's pretty good. You know, it's healthy growth. It's not uh, growth that, you know, is going to disappear the next day. It's, it's about, you know, continuing to build up every day. So um, I hope that circled back to what is Hacker Noon? <laughs> Yeah, sure. No, I mean, uh, this is, I think, super important. Uh, a lot of founders are struggling with the fact that at some point, the solution that they're working with is not sustainable anymore. So at what yeah. point do you start building something on your own? And, you know, how much money, how much time do you do you spend on it? How do you fund it? So it's it's a huge problem for, for a lot of founders. And, um, well, you figured out, obviously, at, at the very right moment. And uh, well, Hacker Noon also uh, moved on from being the place where hackers spend their afternoon, right, to being one of the leading um, tech publications on the internet. So, and when I found it, 
I was just amazed how how focused it was. Like it it was very uh, good quality articles. The uh, community that you have there is super engaged, and everyone. It, it's not. It, it looks very big, uh, and obviously you drive a ton of traffic every month, but it it's still kind of very very niche, and uh, you know uh, the writers that are there. So how did you have? How do you keep it that focused? Well, I, I'm sure the people on the inside wouldn't say we're that focused. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's nice to hear that from the outside. Um, you know, I, I think focus, uh, in terms of how I structure the team, I think it results in how some of the output of what we do, you know, so the key meetings of our company are weekly meetings around um, editorial, product, and sales and sponsorship. So, you know, those meetings are happening every week, like the, right before the product meeting happens, that 12-hour window is when the most stuff ships, you know, and it's just like, I didn't say to do that. It just became like a thing of like, this is the cadence that we move, you know? So I think that's been very helpful for, um, you know, what I've learned about software is like the more you can do small releases and you can get the unit down, you know, the more you reduce risk. Like everyone's trying to release a big new version and relaunch or launch the thing. And it doesn't really matter. It's more about like how many small units you can just keep shipping time after time after time after time. So that's kind of, uh, it means you have less bugs when you ship because you're shipping smaller things. It means it's harder to say what a true new version is, <laughs> um, but it, it's, um, you'll end up, you know, getting much further to where you want to go if you can break it into much smaller pieces. So that's uh, been really helpful for, you know, a lot of, I love when people notice features before we talk about them. You know, it's just like, hey, there's a new print button on the page and it's like this well-formatted PDF because bizarrely a bunch of people still want to print stories and like i was like okay that's that's interesting you know i'll put a tiny little button for you guys and then you, and then it prints the story so um yeah i, I think it, it's been and then we look at the top with our numbers that we try and keep moving you know and it's uh how much time people are reading you know how, how much money we're making and how many people use it you know so it's uh and I don't know. From the outside, it's hard to say what Hacker Noon is because I'm just so in the middle of it right now uh, that, you know, I, I like that, you know, you, you kind of get this thing of like you look at your big numbers and then you see the anecdotes of what surrounds your business and how this impacts their life or not, you know, and seeing uh, like you, sometimes we lost someone's draft once, you know, and it's like an emotional thing. It feels like, oh, I lost my draft, you know, and I just spent a bunch of hours on this. And, and now we change the way autosave works and uh, then you move on, <laughs> you know, to the next yeah. thing. You can't um, help the past, but you can say, how did I mess up? And, you know, what am I going to improve? And I'll build a little moment and <laughs> maybe that next person won't run into that, that problem again. So I think building like from you really individual user anecdotes and combining with what the, t the team consensus is, you know, so it's because um, we'll kind of make a lot of product cards and we'll say, hey, I'm going to describe this thing in detail. Now I'm going to uh, give you a, a wireframe or a Figma of it and I'm going to put it there. And then it's like, okay, if 12 things are putting there, then the software developer picks, you know, which of those next four. So that's kind of also like, and we try to do the same with editorial of pick, here's all the stories that come in. Here's the type of stories they are. Here's how you filter them. Which ones do you like? 
read the ones you like, <laughs> you know? So I think letting individual contributors pick their, their project means I don't have to manage them as much. You know, it's much more like, you've already said this was going to work. You've already chosen to work on it over other things. You can't complain to me about why am I working on this, you know? So I think that that type of stuff has just kept the thing morphing in a way that's healthy, in a way where I'm not uh, driving too much of what, what's coming next. And, you know, hopefully the market reflects that and they want to put their logos and they want to publish their content and they want to republish their blogs and they want to, you know, so that's um, what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a very positive approach. But you still keep a lot of like person personal touch, right? There is a second person that gets every article. I was super surprised. Like it adds a certain friction, though. And uh, I I was wondering, like, were you um, were you aware of that? Like, when did you introduce this feature, and how did the audience um, receive it? Uh, so we've always had an editor, <laughs> you know, I've uh, starting with me, you know, so that's uh, where, where it's always been. And um, I mean, I, at first I didn't pick it, you know, it was like, Hey, I want to start a site and you want to start a site. You're going to be an editor. And, you know, I wasn't on a, my own blogging platform, you know, now it's my own blogging platform. I realize most content on, if you aggregate all the blogging platforms, the majority of posts are garbage. And it's just, there's so much garbage on the internet surrounding the good stuff. And people will use these blogging platforms as dumping grounds and putting their garbage, you know, so that it drives something back to their core. So I, I just didn't want a high percentage of my posts on my site to be bad. Uh, so I think that's where, you know, rejecting half the stories is the right call. You know, sometimes we reject the wrong ones and people get upset or they're not good enough and they come back and they improve and they learn how to improve and then they come back and other times they're gone forever and that's fine. You know, you, I'm, I'm fine with some level of attrition and, you know, letting people publish elsewhere because it means there's a higher quality bar for the reader. The next story will have a better headline. It will have better grammar. It will be more well-structured. It will be more well-organized if an editor spends 20, 30 minutes on it. It's just, it's going to make the experience better and the trade is i'm hosting your content i'm paying for the editing i'm paying for the distribution and then there's an ad you know at the top and the bottom of the story and that's the trade we make in, in exchange of value and if i make that trade you know i've made that trade fifty thousand with fifty thousand people <laughs> and uh that's kind of um yeah my, how, how, the trade that i found that works on the internet what you want is a repeatable little spot <laughs> you know I, i don't need to be everything to everyone <laughs> So it's roughly 50% of the articles being rejected. Yeah, yeah, because you'll get runs of people trying to game the system and spam. And we, we sort all of our articles. We have a lot of different systems to measure the quality of an article. Um, like every article that comes in, we check for plagiarism right away. So you can get flagged right there if you're plagiarizing content. Um, now we're starting to check for AI writing, which the tools to call are still very new. And they, you know, they have a decent... Uh, not a great hit rate, you know? Um, and then we're, you know, it's kind of like we want to keep rewarding original content and repeat contributors. So, you know, looking at faster turnaround for those type of things. We'll repub we'll, we're happy to republish content, but long-term sustainability is about hosting more original content. So, you know, we want to put our editorial resources towards our best content to make that content even better and, you know, get it, get the best story we can get, uh, you know, coming out of Hacker Noon. Okay. Uh, so, um when uh, when when 
when a new contributor comes like where where do they come from right you don't hire them you only hire editors right so is there any kind of acquisition that you're doing for the contributors uh we put a write button on the site <laughs> that's pretty much it <laughs> um yeah i mean yeah it's the whenever we wanted to raise crowdfunding it's the readers who want to own in the site they want the site to keep going and whenever you're reading the site it's nice that you can contribute to it you know you can't really get that across you know the new york times you know and so it's a little bit of uh making the thing you read and you know sharing your expertise but you know contributors uh themselves talking about publishing here you know a lot of word of mouth happens with hacker noon um we don't run any paid ads um to acquire writers or customers uh, we test social media distribution in terms of getting stories more reach and putting some of our budget towards that distribution of what we serve the writer. Um, but, and, you know, search, the best content, you know, rises to the top in the long run. So if we improve the content and we attract, you know, experts and experts read here and then they want to write about the thing they read, you know, we're, we're going to be served building a quality library in the long run, I think will be rewarded. Um, so I, I think that's where I want to spend my money on improving the quality and trust that the internet will uh, reward that. <laughs> right. But you have an integration with Coil, right? So mm -hmm. there is a certain way for contributors to get uh, not just uh, validation of their ideas, but also a few cents here and there uh, yeah. for what they're writing. So the Coil subscription will just stream in uh, the browser directly to the writer if they add their Coil meta tag. So that kind of gets low payments coming in because it's distributing $5 a month across all the COIL sites they visit, web monetized sites. So um, those payments have started pretty small. The The larger payments we've done so far is with writing contests. So someone will buy like the blockchain tag on Hacker Noon and they'll put a $12,000 reward for writers. And based on the quality, based on the time reading those stories have and then vote by Hacker Noon editors, we send out that $12,000, you know, across, you know, 10, 20, 30 writers, depending on, you know, how the sponsor, how large of prizes they want to do. So we've done, we've paid out about $250,000 so far in writing contests. So it's off to a nice start and it creates the right incentive of all you have to do to enter the contest is use the sponsor tag. You don't have to write anything about the sponsor and the sponsor just wants to be associated with the tag. You know, you, you've been to all these marketing meetings where they're trying to be associated with the keyword. That's what we offer. We do not offer any angles. We do not offer any validation that they will endorse you or mention you. But it, at the bottom of it, it'll say they entered your writing contest because they use the keyword. So that's um, where the highest growth section of Hacker Noon is right now from a business development point. Um, and I just like it from the whole incentives of creating more content, rewarding writers, and having satisfied sponsors. That's pretty cool. And uh, you, uh, you mentioned uh, crowdfunding quite a few times already, so I want to circle back to that. Uh, so uh, you were bootstrapped for the first two, three years, right? Yeah. And then you went to crowdfunding. So what did you realize? Like, What kind of growth were you looking for that you went for uh, this kind of investment? I really wanted to build a software team. You know, it's kind of I proved using other people's software, that was how far I could grow it. You know, I could grow it to 100K a year business and not really further. And that's the cap on, on that business with that software. And that's just how it works. So, um, you know, it, it was about wanting to grow the business and the way to do it with software developers. And I mean, we had venture capitalists writing on the site and I reached out to them and I was like, hey, do you want to invest in this? And they're like, 
well, you're not that technical. You haven't done it before. And you have a big move coming in front of you that I don't want to bet on you and have to bet on the move. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's much easier to say bet on me and bet on the system I have and what I've grown. But it's like you have a big challenge in front of you is really a dumb time to, <laughs> in a lot of ways to raise money. But it was the necessity of what we had to do to not kill this business. Uh, so, you know, we looked... And it was actually uh, Howard Marks was a Hacker Noon contributor and also the C CEO of Start Engine. Uh, so, you know, I talked to him about what I should do. <laughs> Basically, I was just talking to the contributors. How do I make this site survive? <laughs> uh, and, you, know, you always talk to your customers. Or you yeah. Know. Yeah. And so, I mean, equity crowdfunding hit what we had, a large community that could make small amounts. And then we would have a budget to, to build the next step of the company. Um, and 90% of the traffic from our crowdfunding cam cam campaign put from buy shares in Hacker Noon at tophackernoon.com. And so that was the, you know, the primary, it was a lot of work. You have to go through third party reviews with lawyers, accountants, and it's just small donations take time to build up, you know, and small investments take time to build up. So it was, uh, you know, the campaign ends up running like three months, you know, where you're, you're you don't know where it's going to go. Yeah. And, uh, um, but you know, Ling is my partner and my wife and, you know, she, you know, carried us through that. And <laughs> it's like, we, we didn't want to change jobs. So, you know, we made sure the, the, the company survived and uh, gave us the chance to make some more revenue. Right. Well, three months, I guess, is still not that long. I mean, some people just spent six months only like approaching investors. So I guess in this yeah, case, it, may, it may have been a little longer than that, but it was, yeah, three months of prep. And then the campaign was live for another three to five i'm now it's like three years ago i'm kind of uh <laughs> done a lot since then all right oh, and and now uh the contributors uh, own approximately 13 percent, if i'm not mistaken uh the crowdfunders own 13 percent ish in that range coils in the eight percent range uh me and ling own about two-thirds of the company okay then, that's, uh, very, and, that's very interesting yeah then another so, you know employee uh, equity is the rest of it. Oh, perfect. I could, I could talk about uh, incentives for some time, but uh, let, let's leave it <laughs> for now. Uh, how did it change the way you run a business? All those, um, well, especially the crowdfunding campaign, did it add any complexity? Did it change anything at all? Uh, impacted transparency for sure. You know, so we do a um, we do a quarterly newsletter where it's you know uh, really like three to eight pages. You know, really trying to reflect and say what's worked and hasn't worked in this business. Um, we publish uh, shortened versions of them on the site, uh, State of the Newton Union, we call it uh, for Hacker Noon. Um, so that, that definitely opened the transparency. I mean, it was a marketing channel for sure. We made hires out of that were shareholders. Um, we've gotten customers referred to us from shareholders. So, I mean, uh, overall, they uh, had they understand this is a private company and this is a long game and it's going to take a lot more people helping than <laughs> than just us to, to grow the thing and get get where we want to be. So I think and, and just to have the confidence that this volume of people uh, is willing to put some amount of money to say, I think this thing can grow. You know, whenever people are saying this thing can't grow. Having a large volume of people say it can definitely helps with saying, I believe it can. <laughs> They're telling me it can. <laughs> so um, I, I think that stuff um, was much healthier than, you know, a lot of venture capital. Sometimes it, it's really, it, they need the end game. 
you know? So sometimes the pressure to try and create the end game uh, is not healthy. Um, So I think as other founders look at their shareholders, make sure they understand that what you both think about the end game, (laughs) because if you think the end game is 15 years of dedicating your life to this and they think it's, I'm going to five X or seven X in the next couple of years, you're going to have an unhealthy tension. Uh, You know, so um, I I think, yeah, that's my big advice to shareholders. And it doesn't mean don't take venture capital. You just need to both understand what you want in an end game and, you'll have a, a more likely chance at getting up the hill and, you know, getting where you want to go. Right. That's true. And in, in retrospect, would you have done anything differently? In retrospect, I can't do anything differently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm very happy with where I am. Uh, I mean, I've made plenty of mistakes and, you know, sometimes I just have to keep circling back to, to improve the mistakes. Um, and that's fine. You know, that's what you get with a business like if you're if you were doing one tradable problem again and again and again, one tradable transaction, you know, that 5% worse volume of the transaction is going to keep happening. You know, so that's uh, that's what scaling is. <laughs> you know, you want to make it healthier, but you also know that the same problems happen. You know, it's still writing on the Internet. It's still people that are angry sometimes. <laughs> like the Internet becomes this keyboard outlet for them. And uh, that's also why I'm really happy not anyone can publish anything on our site because... I just don't really want to be a part of hosting um, the bad part of the internet. Right. Okay. And uh, yeah, another thing that I I wanted to ask you, because you mentioned uh, you made some hires from the crowdfunding campaign. Uh, So who was your first hire? Uh, So Ling was the second full-time employee, um, basically running all business (laughs) development. I was running all editorial. And uh, then the third full-time employee was Dane Lyons, and he took over the leading the product. Um, and then after that, uh, we extended software developers, editorial, sales. Um, but for the first, after our first software team was five people for, you know, a year and a half. You know, now the company's at about 18 people full-time, uh, split between software developers, editors, and sales. Um, and, uh, the best hires are, they come directly from our site. They're already reading Hacker Noon. They want to be a part of it. Uh, so I stopped, you know, any type of advertising on third-party sites to hire, uh, no third-party recruiters. Um, like it just, the best thing is emailing people that already read Hacker Noon. And that's because they understand what it is. They understand the trade that's going on and, if they can understand how people are gaining value on the site right now, it doesn't matter what job they do here, they'll be better at it. Uh, so it's not a sustainable strategy if you want to like double your headcount really fast and really ramp up because you know you only get the candidates that are coming to your site. Uh, but it's, it's for sustainable growth and having at least being able to <laughs> eliminate all candidates who don't understand what Hacker Noon is, this weeds them out. You know, It's only people that already uh, believe in it. So that that's my hiring strategy now. Okay, so th- there is no way somebody's gonna say I don't I don't really know what you guys are doing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> at least at some level they, they understand that this is a website that they clicked a few buttons on, <laughs> and they didn't yeah. go they didn't do it on some other site. You know, they did it on our own. Right, and are you still fully remote? Uh, I have like a satellite office uh, here in Colorado, um, but yeah, there's no headquarters i use it ling uses it sometimes our denver colleagues will come here and use it but um you know sometimes we'll meet up around the world uh we just filmed a documentary in hanoi 
and I met, you know, our, our leaders from Asia and Japan, you know, flew to Hanoi and we, uh, it's, you know, very inexpensive to build a film crew there. So we have our first like short film coming out. Um, that's pretty oh, cool. fun. When? Uh, March, uh, March or April, um, talks still going on and, uh, so the whole new world for me. I just want, but we have kind of uh, good interviews about the history of the internet um, that we're kind of putting together, and hopefully it keeps like our light tone and our fandom of the shows like The Office with little, you know, little tribute jokes um, to just kind of, uh, yeah, keep it fresh. Get some new type of content around Hacker Noon. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay, but uh, why do you? Why do you still keep? Um, the team so small and how does it work for you to be fully remote because well at some point uh you you started driving more traffic than forbes right so how do you sustain this kind of growth and attention with such a small team i mean i look at craigslist as kind of a model of what type of company i want to be from a structural mm -hmm. standpoint where you know they have 50 full-time employees it has a lot of traffic and it makes a lot of money and it could make a lot more money if it did different things, but it doesn't need to. Uh, so I think there's something that like, I really want to create a company that gives a lot more value than it needs to extract. Um, so that's kind of like to sustain. Um, so, and to me, 17, 20 people thinking about them in my lives and really, you know, trying to work together isn't a small group. A small group is me alone on my computer editing stories. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's what a small group is um we're way past that <laughs> yeah and i mean i think the studies have shown you can kind of have on the high end like 130 people in your social circle but really some of the other studies is more like 40 you know so when you look around like that range like part-time plus full-time we're already hitting that 40 range it's like how many people can I, you know, really keep in my mind and like help them, you know. So uh, as you start to look at these companies that get bigger than that, like the the CEO becomes very can become very removed from the work itself. Um, and I want to be an individual contributor first and spending my time making, and then you know around that spend time making a business. So um, that's just as far as I've been able to with that mindset. I've only gotten to this point, and I'm. I'm very happy to stay in this point. You know, I think we can get better at our jobs and make a lot more money with a small elite group. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, part of it, you know, as a founder, you have to match the business to your personality. You have to match how the team functions to your personality. You have to understand the limitations of it, of your own personality. Because if you set up a situation where you're an introvert and you have to, you create a business where you have to do eight meetings a day, you're probably going to fail. You, you've, you've unsuccessfully uh, matched, you know, what your mind wants to do with what it can do that makes money and what it can do to help others. So I, I think I've, you know, grown a, a little bit over the years where I'm not, uh, not understanding I'm an introvert, understanding I have to spend more time uh, on the keyboard than I do in meetings like this in order to make Hacker Noon grow. So um, yeah, I think it, 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 the if I could pass anything on the founders to just be more aware of like their personality will shape the business whether they like it or not. So if they get in front of it a little bit, they can probably have a better outcome. That's true. Okay. Well, um, I, I really want to go a bit deeper into into the whole software and all the changes that you've been up to for at least the past year because I, I can at least relate to that a little bit. 
So uh, you've got a ton of different things that, that you are uh, shipping, right? There is noonies, uh, there is um, slogging. What else is there? I mean, our primary product is this content management system that powers Hacker Noon. You know, and we build a lot. We build for five users there, the reader, the writer, the editor, um, and the admin and the sponsor. So there's uh, the sponsor being a business account and, you know, things like tech company news page defining, you know, what is your business in a sentence and starting to republish your content or bring new content to Hacker Noon. Um, so uh, with slogging and noonies, you know, they kind of came out of necessity. We wanted to have, um, we wanted to reward our writers with uh, basically a poll of who's the best in all these different categories and who gets a name, cool names about like being whatever on the internet and give people prizes. We make the prizes NFTs. Sponsors will sponsor some of these contests. So sometimes if, you know, you wrote three blogs in February about something and you win, you know, $300 at the end of the year because someone votes for you. It's like kind of a nice, like, you know, a random gift of money, but when we first looked to do a vote for our community, it was just the voting softwares were very expensive and very cumbersome. It wasn't like, hey, can I just put a widget here with a text and a link and like link to the writer? And it was like, no, not really. Can anyone vote? No, they have to log in. Can they log in with Google? No, they have to do it this way. Is it my account? No, it's my account. You know, and they, so it's like all these voting softwares, like we just couldn't find a good one. Uh, so we just built one. Um, so that's kind of how Noonies came about as a way to reward writers. And then we reused the voting software and kind of built a new version of it to rank all the startups in the world by location. Um, and that was that was a really good experiment, too, to just learn more about what people are building. Uh, so we'll be launching a new version of that with um, kind of stories curated next to it. Because before the voting software just had votes and, you know, a good system for measuring votes, control over weighted votes. So like published authors would be rewarded more and their votes would count more than just an average reader, which we thought made sense because they're the ones uh, contributing content to the site and building up the library. So I think they earn, you know, more authority about who gets rewarded. Um, so we were trying to, it's like this thing where it's its own app, but it also integrates with Hacker Noon. Um, and so we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep growing on it. And, you know, it, it kind of got us down the path of getting badges and awards as NFTs and kind of having an, a badge you can bring with you. You know, if, if all these other sites were to die tomorrow, you can't take the badge with you. Like you can take a screenshot of it, but it won't be live on the site. You know, I want to have, like, if you earn it on Hacker Noon, you can take it elsewhere. And an NFT kind of solved that of, you could take the NFT to any of these other places, uh, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Um, and with slogging, it also came out of, uh, user, you know, our internal needs, uh, we realized uh, Dane, our chief product officer, had done like 12 or 15,000 Slack updates and over the same period had three Hacker Noon posts. And we were like, okay, something is off there. You know, we're very happy he's writing all these thoughtful things and we want like fostering a healthy Slack community is like, or whatever your message messaging tool is, it's really essential for remote teams. So it's like, very encouraging stuff, but also why only three posts, you know? So slogging came out of turning threads into Hacker Noon posts. And now, hey, I want to export my content from Slack instead of, and I, I've been, you know, on the other side of it at my last job, trying to run the Smart Recruiters blog and trying to recruit all these teammates to write. It's always a one-off thing. It's like, I already have a job, David. Like, you know, that I'm doing my main job and now you're asking me to write. So slogging hit a nice sweet spot of, where are you already writing? Can we just pull out the best 3% of that, best 1% of that and make it a blog post? And then the challenge became a little more curation and, and not uh, writing something new. 
Um, but it's new to the internet. It's adding value that wasn't available before. That content le left was hidden in your Slack and it just served value for your own people. So that, that one's done about 500 posts and anyone uh, can download it at slogging.com. And it's a single word, you know, so it's slogging and it's just this, <laughs> it kind of became a little bit of a slog, you know, because Hacker Noon is growing much faster than slogging. <laughs> so it's kind of like an app that we have that's kind of stably growing, you know, next to it. Um, and we really want to just have more systems to, you know, move content around Hacker Noon and improve content. Uh, so we've been working uh, with Hacker Noon uh, a lot. Uh, we did a an AI headline generation tool, which is really cool. And what's cool about it versus what some of the stuff that's trending now is much more prompt is short, content is long. I think a better use case for AI is content is very long, AI is very short. And, you know, it gives you, so it's saying, hey, how could I summarize these 500 words in, you know, an eight word, eight, seven to 10 word headline? And now you get five options and you don't have to use any of them, but at least it gives you five different structures of what a headline could be based on the content you as a human already made. So I think that um, trying to find the right ways to bring trending technology into the content management system, and we don't have to wait for someone else to release a plugin to put it on our site. You know, So that's where it's uh, been really exciting, and I think we're growing faster, is just taking a much more API approach and saying, when this thing starts to trend, let's uh, see how it could fit in. You know, And if you want, like feature images have historically just been a, tough uh, thing of blogging. You know, it's the first thing someone will come after you for money. You use my photo wrongly. You know, like they'll come out if you start a new blog, it's one of the first challenges you're going to run into. Uh, and Unsplash and these other open photo libraries kind of change the game a bit, where at least you can get a quality photo for free and you should accredit, but you don't have to, you know, and that kind of opened up this whole library. And now the, the third kind of row we're seeing is AI image generation. In AI image generation, we're building a large library you can enter a prompt or just hit paste on your headline and say, hey, what does my headline generate? And the headline generation ones aren't as good because they're too abstract. And what you want for imagery is you want to tell them more about just, it's just visual. <laughs> you know, you just want to describe it, what it looks like. But, you know, you can enter prompts on Hacker Noon and we'll, we will use either Stable Diffusion or Mid Journey and we'll call the API and we'll send it back in a couple seconds. And so now you can have an original image that, matches your headline it's it's like a fingerprint you know the feature image is a second headline but it's also a fingerprint of proving like you know hey this image matches to this person you know and it's so i think um it's it's that's the use cases of ai that i've been uh really excited about with hacker noon and really i'm hopeful that ai can be you know assisting um as opposed to replacing um when it comes right. to creating absolutely yeah uh i think uh, I think it's an amazing technology. Another question that I really would love to ask is because I keep hearing uh, about blockchain, about NFT. Uh, so why um, why is it such a big part of Hacker Noon? And what exactly is it uh, that it links blockchain and, and NFT to Hacker Noon? And why did you decide that it, it's going to be uh, this big part? Uh, well, I didn't decide it. Uh, what links it is the stories that came in. You know, one good story. I mean, uh, WTF is blockchain. We published that in 2017, and it was 3,500 3, words, just trying to explain it as simple as you can of, you know, making a public ledger. And that post was like in the New York Times and other sites. And then people that wanted to talk about this came back. 
So, you know, the best thing to the, attract the next story is the last big story. Excuse me. And you, right. uh, you read something you like and you work in that industry. You want to explain your own point of view on it. So um, it wasn't something I set out to do, but I did, you know, set out to have people talk about what's next and have people talk about what they're building. And it's a clean exchange of values. If you talk about what you're building, I help you get readers that are interested in also building things like that. You know, it's a good thing to work together. So that's where it became um, it just it's it's I would say it's more just we're a reflection of what the consciousness is of the tech industry and not we're trying to say this is the editorial line. Um, and I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of stuff that it's too consolidated. And, you know, the idea of uh, replacing the database, replacing hosting, having peer to peer hosting, the idea of getting out of who's your largest bill of a high traffic site. You know, it's the hosting provider or ideally providers and you want to distribute your hosting. And that's you look at AWS's, uh, you know, how, how important they are to Amazon over the last 15 years. Uh, it's just you see exactly how important, <laughs> you know, hosting is in the long term and how 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 consolidated, you know, a lot of the internet is. So I think a lot of people were feeling that and that's why they wrote about it. <laughs> and, then, you know, so it, it, I've tried, you know, to integrate where I can and look at like we have, you know, login with the wallet. So if you don't want to give us email and you want to create an account with just the identity of your wallet or sign up with a wallet, you can still do that and run, enter writing contests and get paid without us, you know, ever knowing your email address, which is, you know, essential. Right. You can't even without you can't even view an image on Facebook or Pinterest without giving them, you know, an email address. That's as a viewer. You know what I mean? Not even a creator. So I think the bar of what what trades are happening here is uh it's skewed too far against the individual for giving up more in order to get very little. Um so I think there's a lot of exciting things that, you know, uh, blockchain could help with there and just more the reality of what, you know, the next internet, it may not, we don't, some of the technologies that will make it won't be a part of it, but I think the people are seeing more technologies to make the internet more, uh, more distributed across more small businesses and medium sized businesses, powering more of the internet and less uh, consolidation at the top. Um, I think the technology is allowing the businesses to hopefully move that way. Uh, so that's what, that's what excites me you know, about, about how the next internet could be and the small part, you know, Hacker Noon can play a part of it. You know, I'm here to help. <laughs> right. Well, you're obviously doing everything to like stay on top of the trends and like moving on with, with how the internet um, improves and, and, and grows and develops. Uh, but one more question, because you're, you're moving, growing so fast, and obviously you started scaling a few years ago. So what uh, what changed for you personally as a founder? Like, how do you keep up um, scaling and then, you know, caring about the people in your team and caring about what you're doing and, and people who contribute to Hacker Noon? Uh, personally, what's changed is I had kids. So that made me more responsible. It made myself less the center of the universe um, and made me really a better colleague. I would say a uh, better person to work with. So uh, personally, I think that's really the only you know notable shift. Um, I think as the team scales, uh, you know, watching my tone and understanding, you know, what 
hey, if the more you're a leader, the more people are extrapolating what you're trying to say. You know, the more you're truly an individual contributor, no one's extrapolating anything. You know, you're just doing it and living with the results. So that that balance, um, I, I like it. You know, it, I think it's made me more thoughtful about just what to work on, what to say, the value of words. Um, and I mean, these colleagues, you end up spending half your time with them. Like, the, you know, for if you're working 50 hours a week, you know, you get to know your colleagues very well. And uh, having kind people that, uh, you know, like building things is just, if you're not surrounded by kind people that like building things, you're not going to build things and you're not going to be happy. So, um, I think we've, you know, got a good group and, uh, we stay remote, but, you know, we're meeting up a couple times a year. So it's kind of looking at, you know, spending that way to, uh, build together for a little bit and get on the same page and get to know each other more in person. And then, you know, go off and do our own thing. We're all, we're pretty much all introverts here at Hacker Noon. So we don't really want to like be meeting with you that often, <laughs> you know, no, anybody no. does. <laughs> Twice a year is quite enough. Uh, okay, that's, that's very honest. Uh, all right. So just a couple of uh, last questions. So what was so far the biggest win and the, the biggest failure, whether for Hacker Noon as a business or for you as a founder? The biggest win? Hmm. Uh, I mean, in terms of business over the last year, writing contest is the number one source of revenue and they've been really fun to run and they've brought in a lot of good content. So I, I think, and it's just cool to find an arrangement that serves, you know, three user types at once and three types of people, three people doing three different objectives. So, um, that's been uh, a pretty good win. Um, but I mean, just personally spending more of my life, uh, building software, I would say as a, as a win of, just um, being happy with things I'm putting out in the world. Uh, so, yeah, I, it's hard to, it's nice to ask these questions about biggest wins, but it's really like the little wins, I guess, that um, yeah. kind of get to add up. Like my schedule's kind of normalized again. And I'm, uh, we just did a lot of uh, whole year end review and going through all, trying to just think bigger about what, what worked and didn't work, you know, over the last year. So, I'm just happy to take a deep breath and be able to use the keyboard today. That's perfect. All right. And well, I have just, just one bonus question for you. Uh, what is, uh, who is one person that you would absolutely love to work with in the future? Um, maybe Mark Cuban would be cool. I mean, he owns the Mavericks, okay. but maybe if I'm working with him, I could go to some Mavericks games and I really like what he's doing, uh, undercutting all the pharmaceutical companies and selling, uh, drugs at just 15% above cost, as opposed to this whole convoluted thing of a medicine cost a certain amount of money because the control is limited and it feels like it's like, some sort of oil oligarchy getting, you know, medicine. So I think he's done a good job there of uh, putting um, a stable, sustainable business behind, you know, a real problem and can make a lot of money that way. So, uh, but not the Shark Tank stuff. So maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I could pick somebody <laughs> else. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll make sure, you know, to tag him <laughs> under, <laughs> under the podcast somewhere there. Maybe there is your shot. All right. Well, it's been amazing talking with you. I mean, absolutely everybody I know was super excited that you're coming to the podcast, me included. So thank you so much for making the time. 
and uh, obviously would love to do it again sometime and uh, learn even more about what you're shipping for Hacker Noon. Cool, Anna. Thanks for having me. I had a lot of fun here. <laughs> awesome. All right. Same here. Take care. Bye. See ya.